I love Christmas. And, and the reason I love Christmas so much is because of all that it represents. This is the season of hope. Every store you go into, what are they playing? They're playing songs about Jesus. People that don't believe in God are singing songs about Jesus. They're singing songs about hope. And it, it's that time of year when people are so open to the message. And I'll tell you why they're so open to the message. Because just like over 2,000 years ago, they're in a world that's full of darkness. And they're looking for hope. People this time or more time of year, probably more than any other time of the year, are open to the message of hope because they want to believe. They want to believe so much. And, and as I was preparing this message this week, I've just got to tell you, I, I, I wish you could understand just a little bit from being in, in my, from my perspective how much God loves you. Because I don't know, if, some of you know me really well, some of you know me fairly well, I'm not nearly as smart as the messages that come out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Because as I was going over these notes and, and got the idea from another pastor and went in, and as I was just praying for you guys and praying for this Sunday, and then it's like this faucet over my head just comes on. And, and God's love for you and God's desire for you and God's passion for you just comes flowing out of this faucet. And it's like, tell them this, tell them this, tell them this. And it's overwhelming to me that God allows me to be this mouthpiece just to show you how much he loves you. And, and today we're going to talk, this is another one-off message as we get ready to go into the Christmas season where we'll have a series. But this message today is called Stop Wishing and Start Hoping. Stop Wishing and start hoping. And, and I want to tell you today, I'm going to go ahead and ask you up front to give me a little more license than normal because these two words are very closely related in their meaning. Wishing and hoping are very, very closely related. But here's what I want you to understand. Wishing primarily is about the past. You can wish for things in the future, but primarily wishing is about the past, but hoping is all about the future. When we talk about the hope of Christmas, when you think about Christmas, the world in darkness and silence and darkness lay because they were hoping, believing for a Savior that was to come. It was all about hope. And this message today is all about hope, but there's a challenge also that happens to so many of us in life is that we can end up wishing a lot. And as I was studying, preparing, the Lord was really clear about how we needed to define these two areas in our life because we can get them mixed up and it hurts us so terribly. And God's passion for you today is that you embrace the hope of who he's called you to be. Amen? All right, so grab your notes or your Bible, whatever you've got, hold it up in the air. Repeat after me, say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth. It's his truth. Amen. For every area of my life, and I'll be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I'm changing it up just to see. Some of y'all are like, he did that wrong. Y'all, come on, we make it up. So, I mean, we can do what we want to do. I just want to make sure you guys are listening, right? Now, listen, 
Stop wishing and start hoping. Now listen, on your blanks or up on the screen, you're going to see a blank there. Here's the, here's the question we're starting off today. This Christmas, I hope to fill in the blank. This Christmas, I hope to, and there's probably something that you've either thought about or you are thinking about that you'd like to do. This Christmas, I'd like to spend more time with family, or this Christmas, I'd like to you know, see the kids or go see my grandmother or this Christmas I'd like to, there's something. Maybe this Christmas you want to experience more peace. Maybe this Christmas you want to leave your old life behind and move forward. But there's something around this time of year that there's something percolating in your head right now. This Christmas I hope to fill in that blank. What is the difference between wishing and hoping. Now, now here's where I need you to give me some license and I'll explain it. Wishing is primarily about the past. Wishing is primarily about the past, but hoping is completely about the future. You, now, now, let me give you an example. You never hoped something would happen in the past, okay? That doesn't make any sense. That word's, you can't hope for something to happen in the past. You can wish that something would have happened differently. I wish I would have passed my driver's test the first five times. Come on, somebody. I was up at the sheriff's department the other day, and a kid walked out with their parents, and I said, hey, what are you doing? And the, the, I don't remember if it was the father or the mother. They were like, we're here again, you know? You know, and so that child is wishing they would have had. It's a past thing, primarily. Now, yes, we have things where we wish for things to happen in the future, but for the most part, wishing is about the past. Now, it goes deeper than that. I wish I had never gotten divorced. I wished that I had not been abused. I wish that there's these big things in our life that we wish too. We wish that things maybe had turned out differently. And and I want you to know today, there's a problem with hoping and wishing. And here it is. Too many of us, these are my notes, too many of us waste time wishing, lamenting over things we can't change, and focusing on the past, and we don't spend enough time hoping and moving towards the future. Do you know anybody like that? They live back there. And they say things like, I wish this had never happened to me two years ago, seven years ago, 20 years ago. And they live there. And they're constantly wishing things had been differently. But hoping is focused on the future. And I'm going to show you here in a couple of different scriptures how true this is. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most powerful and popular verses in the Bible. But listen to what God says from the wishing and hoping perspective. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you what? Hope and a what? Future. You know what is absent here? God doesn't say, I wish things were different for you in the past. That struck me like a lightning bolt. God doesn't reference one time in these scriptures. He doesn't say, I'm sorry all this happened to you. I'm sorry these things were this way. What God says is, hey, that's back there. I've got a plan for you, and it's a good plan, and it's to give you hope and a future. God is saying, stop looking back there and start looking that way. Guys, this is a game changer. 
This is absolutely a game changer. And and as I was going over these notes, and it rose up inside of me so strongly because this time of year, we think of Christmas's past, right? We think of our past, and, and that's okay. Some of the memories are fine. Some of them aren't. But God's sitting here saying, hey, that's fine. God may say things, hey, remember in the days of, he may reference things in the past, but he's always looking towards the future. For I know the plans that I have for you. Everybody take your finger like this, like this. Everybody, come on. If you don't do it, I'm going to make you stand up. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Say, for I know the plans that I have for me. See, it's not this general thing that God has where, oh, yeah, there's some plans out there and some people get it and some get it. No, God's very specific. He says, I have a Ross plan. You know, I have a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. It's not a disaster. It's awesome. And it's to give you a future, and it's to give you hope. It's to give you hope. It's not about wishing. God never says, think about your past and wish it could be different. It's not in your Bible one time. Everything is focused on moving ahead. And I want you to know, guys, for Christmas this year, my hope for you, my hope for you is that you would embrace what Christmas means and the hope of the cross and the fact that Jesus has come to give you the opportunity to receive a new life, that it's your choice to embrace the cross, to embrace an empty tomb, to embrace God saying, I've got a plan for you, and then move forward and stop looking back. Can I tell you something? I am so thankful. I've had an awesome experience for most of my life. I've experienced heartache on major scales, but some of you have experienced terrible things in your past. But I want you to know that the devil is out there, and he's he's there to kill and steal and destroy. That's what he does. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, and I've come so that you could have a future and a hope. That's why I'm here. So stop living there. Stop living there. I call it camping out in the past. That's what I call it. We, we, we get hurt, and so we take our tent out and build a little fire, and then we just sit there and think about it. I think for me, probably, as a pastor, it's probably the hardest thing that I have to deal with. And and I want you to know, when when I read things like Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, let's move forward, let's move forward, let's move forward. And and I can almost see people going, no, let's stay here. Now, I'm going to give you two examples of this. Some of you have never heard probably one of these. You you will have heard the second. I'm going to give you one out of the New Testament and one out of the Old Testament. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, right? But he grew up in a town called Nazareth. And so Jesus had started his ministry, and he grew up in Nazareth, and he goes home. It's like homecoming football game. Come on, really, y'all? 
It's me talking, okay? So he goes home, and he's going to go home, and, he, and he's planning on going home and doing some ministry work. And so this is Jesus, and he goes back to Nazareth, and he gets into town, and, and he starts preaching, and he starts doing his thing, and here's what happens. Isn't that Mary's little boy? Yes, I used to babysit him. Yes, me too. I had him in the third grade. He was so ornery. You know, I mean... And you think I'm kidding. So Jesus is there preaching, the son of God, who graduated from Nazareth High, has now come back. And you know what the Bible says? He could do very few miracles there because of their unbelief. And so he left. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except when he goes home. He was still little Jesus. And they never got past that. And so he wasn't able to do what God had called him to do. He wanted to go there and do miracles. He wanted to open blind eyes. He wanted to lead people. He wanted to share the gospel. He wanted to share the good news. But can you imagine Jesus standing there trying to preach and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, remember when you signed my yearbook? It's awesome. That's kind of what was going on and they never could accept him for who he really was they were living in the past they weren't living in the now and so what happened at that time no healings took place no salvations took place there and Jesus had to leave because they couldn't get him past the past Now, let's go back to the Old Testament, to the story you probably really know well. The children of Israel, 400 plus years in slavery. Moses leads them out. They cross. All these miracles happen. God feeds them miraculously over and over and over and over and over again. They experience these supernatural events. And then they come up to the Jordan River, and they're about to cross into the promised land. They literally can see it. It'd be like us looking across the highway. The fulfillment of God's promise. Abraham had promised to them. You're going to go over there. And they get up to the, and they're, they're going to go in. And then the spies go in to spy out the land. And they come back and they said, man, we look like grasshoppers, these people. And, and Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do this. And they said, no, we can't do this. And now remember, they just seen all these miracles take place. But they couldn't get past their past because they would say things like, man, I'm so hungry. I wish I could go back into slavery in Egypt. I wish I could go back into building all this straw with all these bricks that don't really work. And I wish I, they literally said that. They literally said that. I wish we could go back to Egypt said it both of these examples talk about exactly what I'm talking about today and how many times do we do that we we live back there we live back there good or bad if you want a high school football championship that's awesome that's not really going to help you today and I love football All the Super Bowls the Cowboys won don't mean anything today. Stop now. I will make you leave. 
I know who you are. I will hurt you, okay? Let's, let's not go there. But, but it's true. But how many of you know somebody that lives in yesteryear? Okay, we do that. We think about the good old days. Back before we had air conditioning, it was awesome. No, it wasn't. It was hot. You know, but we do that emotionally too. And, and here's what that looks like. At the moment of your betrayal, you stopped. And like the children of Israel, you, you camp out. And do you know, Dwight, you know why the children of Israel didn't cross the river? Because they didn't believe. And you know what God said? Until all those folks die off, they can't go into the promised land. Can you imagine walking all that way and seeing God doing all those miracles and you're finally at the finish line, but they don't want to cross? Can you imagine that? Some of you are doing it right now. I just got personal. <laughs> Some of you have, have stepped up to the line and it's, and it's your time and, and God's calling you and you believe these songs and you believe these words and yet you wish something had changed and so you stay there. God, I'm pleading with you got to step out and cross the river. Now, here's the good news. It doesn't matter if you're scared. That's okay. It's okay. It's all right to have questions. It's okay to go, I don't know. This makes me nervous. That's okay. The important thing is that you step anyway. If God says it, do it. How's this going to happen, pastor? I don't know how this is going to work. That's not That's not my call, and that's not your call. What is our call is that we are obedient. And then Jericho's walls fall down, and giants fall. But what happens is that people say, I've literally heard, well, I tried that church thing, and it just didn't work. It's not how it works. We, we so expect God to just immediately do something, and sometimes he does, but, but we, we expect something to happen, and God's like, no, you need to receive. You've got to be a disciple. You've got to walk this out. You gotta, and, and we just stop waiting for somebody, something, something. And God's saying, do you trust me? And we say, well, show me first. And he said, there's a cross and an empty tomb. What more do you need? What more do you need? Because I've already done that. The greatest warning for us is that the Hebrews died in the desert. They spent 40 years in the desert wishing something had changed and even wishing to go back, and they died never fulfilling the promises of God for their lives, even when they could see it. Even when they could see it. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 14, this is going to really impact you so just get ready this is Peter talking here's what Peter says put all your what hope in the gracious salvation that will what future to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world so you must live as God's obedient children don't slip where past 
into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. And I can hear Peter saying, but you do now. (laughs) Back then you didn't know any better. Back then you didn't know, but now you do. Don't go back there. Don't go back to Egypt. It's not okay. It's not okay. So what do we do now? 1 Peter 1 verse 13, check this out. I love what Peter says here. So prepare your minds for what? Action and exercise self-control. So prepare your minds for action. Get ready here. Get ready here. Prepare your mind for action. In football terms, we'd say get it on your mind. Think about it. But then you have to exercise self-control. When fear comes in and you don't understand, you still do what God said. When things don't go the way you think, this is when you exercise self-control and you say, I'm going to trust God even though what I see doesn't make sense to me. Even though what I see, you too, doesn't make sense to me. But I'm going to trust what God says regardless of what that looks like. Here's the big thought. This is the Facebook quotable thing that you can put on Facebook. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. We'll say that again. Discipline is choosing what you want most over what you want now. And I don't know who originally wrote that, but that's awesome. So how do we put hope into action? I'm going to give you three easy steps, and then I'm going to let you go because you need to think about this, okay? Here's how we do that. Here's how we begin to apply hope right now, okay? This is, how, this is what works. The first thing that we have to do is define the problem. We have to be real about the problem. We have to be honest. You guys hear me say that almost every week, week in and week out. The first thing we have to do is be honest with ourselves. And let me just tell you something, sweetheart. It's not everybody else's fault. Okay? Define the problem. Nehemiah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, uh, he gets word that the walls of Jerusalem have fallen down. And, and notice, look what he says here, Nehemiah 1 verse 3. They said to me, the people, the people from Jerusalem had come, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. But that's not what we'd say in the South. In the South, we'd say, we're doing okay. How's it going? Just fine. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than y'all are amening right now. That's not how we do around here, Pastor. How you doing? I'm good. It looks like your leg fell off. Oh, it's no big deal. I meant for that to happen. It's an accessory, right? Come on. But Nehemiah said, tell me what's going on. And they told him exactly what was going on. Here's something else you can write down if you didn't bring notes or you can circle it. Here's the big thought, Matt. Here's the big thought. You can't defeat what you don't define. 
You can't defeat what you don't define. You need to know what your problem is or you need to know what the problem is. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it is someone else or something else, but you need to know what that is because here's the problem. Here's what a lot of us do. How many of you get upset about something and take it out on people around you? Come on. That's a problem. See, what happens many times is is something's going on in our life, and we don't necessarily know what the problem is, so what do we do? We take it out on, on each other. That's a problem. Nehemiah didn't throw a fit and go slapping people around because of what was happening in Jerusalem. And some of you need to grow up. Oh, that's twice in one sermon. Wow. But I'm just being real. Some of you need to act like mature Christians and understand there's an enemy, and it's not my spouse. It's not my kids sometimes. you know. No, my kids are awesome. I love you, son. <laughs> no, but it's, it's not those around us. We need, to, we need to mature enough, guys, to recognize, and we need to know who the enemy is. We need to define the problem. Why? Because once you define the problem, you can attack it. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we define it? Look at number two on your notes. Number one, define the problem. Number two, Diligently seek God. Now, here's what I want you to do. Stars, check marks, circle it, and highlight it. Because I'm going to come back to this. Once we know what the issue is, then we need to go to the one who can do something about it. Nehemiah 1 verse 4. Look, look what, what do we, I just showed you up here. Verse 3 of Nehemiah, here's the problem. What is Nehemiah's immediate response? Look at verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Here comes number three of me stepping on your toes. You define the problem and you go whine to everybody else except the one that can do something about it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he could be talking about you right now. Go ahead. And can I tell you why we do that a lot of times? We want sympathy. We want, we want sympathy. Now listen, y'all have to come back next week, okay? I'll, I'll do joy to the world next week if that'll make you feel better. <laughs> One of the guys came in this morning and said, man, I was just in the truck listening to fire and brimstone. I'm not saying that inspired me, <laughs> but I want you guys to understand, sometimes the word, what the word does is Jesus says, we need to have a talk. And there is nobody in this room, probably, that likes having more fun than me, maybe him. <laughs> but I love joy and I love to get up I love that but also there are times that I go we can't get to that until we deal with this come on somebody how many of you want your life to be awesome raise your hands okay those of you that didn't raise your hands see Pam and we will have a counseling thing right after service we all do we all do right 
But here's where you've got to take the second step. Once you know what the challenge is, then you need to go to God. I'm not saying you don't need to go to godly friends and say, look, I'm dealing with the challenge, pray for me. That's good. But you don't need to post on Facebook. Please don't post on Facebook all your issues. My word. (laughs) I literally want to walk out right now. Look at your notes. What is one change you could make today that would put you on the path that God intended for you? Say that again. What is one change you could make today that would put you on the path that God intended for you? I'm going to give you probably the top three of the best advice I'll ever give you. Okay? And if you come see me, or you and I run into each other somewhere, and you're dealing with something, and we start talking, this is probably what I'm going to tell you, okay? When you have a big decision to make, or a big problem to tackle, and you don't know what to do, fast and pray. I'm going to say it again. When you have a big decision to make, or a big problem to tackle, and you don't know what to do, fast and pray. In other words, seek godly advice. I'm glad you came to talk to me. And I will impart whatever bit of knowledge I have to help you. But at the end of the day, the king of the universe is the one that saved you, not Pastor Chris. And you have access to him. You have access to the throne room of heaven. We just sang a song. Carrie did an amazing job of singing the song, and I mentioned it when I got down here, that Jesus tore the veil, and what that veil represented was the separation between God and man. It was this big, thick, heavy-duty veil, and it was torn from the top, or from the bottom to the top. And that's what separates us from God. That means you don't need me to intercede to God for you. You can go to him yourself. And so, Grant, whenever you're facing the challenge and nobody knows what to do and you go to people that love you and and they care about you and they want to talk to you, Hazel, and they've got good advice, that's awesome and you need to do that. I'm not saying don't talk to godly people. But what I am saying is those godly people at some point should say, here's what I've got for you, but you need to go to the king of kings. Fast and pray. And in January, I'm going to talk about what that looks like specifically, but I want to tell you something. If some of you are facing major challenges, major life decisions now, and you're not sure what to do, reach out to us, and we will talk to you about what that looks like tactically and practically. But that's what you need to do. When Bryce and Michelle are dealing with the challenges they're dealing with, they talk to doctors, but they pray. When you're dealing with issues right now, some of you have job decisions and some of you have life decisions and family stuff and you've got a wayward child and you don't know what to do. Fast and pray. Because Jesus made a way for you to be able to step into the throne room of God. And and can I tell you how silly it is to not do that? We have access to the creator of the universe. Our covenant with God allows us to come to him as his children and make requests of him. Why don't you do it? You know what I have heard in the past from some of you? 
God's too busy for my little problem. As if he's not God and he can't do stuff. But what you're really saying is, let me just help you. What you're really saying is, I don't matter to him. And that's just not true. That's not true. You may have messed up royally. You have may have made some monumental mistakes in your life. You may have walked away from God. You may be walking away from God right now. But his love is greater than anything you could ever do. He loves you unconditionally. And he is saying to you today, come, ask me, seek me, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to the cross for complete forgiveness of everything you've ever done. Stop wishing. Start hoping. Please. Amen? Point number three. Point number one, define the problem. Point number two, diligently seek God. All the coaches in the room are going to love this one. Number three, do the work. Do the work. There comes a point where you have to do the doing. You need to plan, and you need to get some direction, but there comes a day when you actually have to do something. Come on, somebody. Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18. You know very well what trouble we were in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And then Nehemiah says to them, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace, exclamation mark. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. You have a part to play. Jesus, please, y'all, understand this. Jesus has done the heavy lifting, but you have to participate. We talked this morning in Sunday school class. Dennis, what a great message. And the message this morning in Sunday school class was about the obedience of God. There will come Jerichos. There will come Jordan Rivers. It's hard not to look back and wish things had been differently. It's hard not to do that. I'm not minimizing that. I'm not saying that's easy. But what I am telling you is this. There comes a point where you have to make a decision and say we're crossing the river. We're crossing the river. And I want you to know, guys, don't camp out. Stop camping out in your past. You know what it's going to be like? Just like yesterday. And it's going to be just like the month before and the year before and the decade before. And it's not because God is unwilling. He's already done it. And he said, you've got to participate. I've already paved the way, but you've got to walk it out. You've got to walk it out. Jesus said, I will give you my yoke. You give me your yoke. My yoke is easy and light, but you still have to wear the yoke. You still have to do something. And that's what he's calling us to. 
And that excites me so much when I think about that. But, but here's what can happen to you. Some of you today, because God prepared this message for you, some of you today are going, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Some of you right now, I know that. There's some of you that God's been going, I am so excited. Here it comes. Now they've got it. But here's what's going to happen when you get up in a few minutes and you walk out the door. Distractions. Distractions. Nehemiah had people that were trying to keep him from completing the work on the wall. And these three guys kept coming up and they were trying to kill him because they didn't want the walls rebuilt because they wanted those people's lives to be destroyed. And we all have an enemy. Guess what? The devil's out there and he's real. But the de- you know who the devil primarily uses? People. And so they're, they're, there's an enemy out there that's trying to destroy your life. And so Nehemiah and the people are trying to build the wall. And they kept saying, hey, come down and come over here. We want to talk to you. We want to talk to you for a minute. Did they want to talk to him, Dave? What did they want to do to him? What did they want to do to him? They wanted to kill him. These guys wanted to kill him. And and I want you to know that when you make the decision and you say, you know what, I'm going to move forward with God. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Distractions are going to come, guys. There are going to be naysayers. There are going to be people that come alongside you that they're, they're going to be, you can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Or worse, they're going to say, I love you so much. Maybe you need to really think, can we just go and look? And it, it, sometimes it's the subtle things that can keep us off track. It's the people that mean well. They actually do love you. And you know what? Here's what Nehemiah said to them, and this needs to be your answer. Some of you today, this needs to be your answer. Are you ready? I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm not, I'm not going to come off the wall. Not this time. You know, in the past, these distractions have come. In the past, I wasn't able to get past the past. In the past, I, I was wishing that things would change, but now I'm going to choose to move forward, and I'm not going to live back there anymore. And so I'm hoping in the promises of God, and I'm believing, and, and you have got to keep your eyes focused on what God's called you to do and not come off the wall, not allow distractions to come, because they will come. So here's the heart of God for you today, and I'm going to close. I am closing early. Somebody say amen. Amen. I may just stand up here and sing for 10 minutes just to make y'all sit there. How about that? Here's the deal. From the heart of God to you, it's time. It's time. It's time to, to stop wishing your past away. How do I do that, Pastor? Define the problem. Get real. Get honest. And define the problem. Second point, the most important one of all of them, is diligently seek God. What does God have to say about your situation? And then the third thing, get after it. Get after it. Trust God. Trust God. You know, this season, y'all, it's all about hope. 
It's all about this amazing story of the king of the universe sending his son to be born in a major to do what? To get his hands dirty with your life. Amen? That's what he did. Born in a manger because he's not scared of your mess. But you have to cooperate with him. And I want you to know, if you look around this room right now, there are people that will come alongside you and help you in your journey. They want to see you succeed. They want to see you become the person God wants, wants you to be, the person you want to be. We don't need to stay in the past anymore. Let's move forward and become the people that God wants us to be. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for your amazing love, Lord. I thank you for shepherds being out in the middle of a pasture somewhere and a multitude of angels showing up saying, doesn't have to, nothing's going to be the same. Everything changes today. some of you today is that day some of you need to let go some of you need to step forward some of you need to diligently seek God about what you should do next and now you know you know there's something very interesting that happens to us when God speaks to us we have to make a decision We are no longer ignorant. Now we know. And today you know. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around this morning. Some of you, because God loves you, some of you he is talking directly to you. And he's saying now is the time. Now is the time to move forward. Now is the time to step up. Now is the time to step out. To receive the future and the hope that I have for you. Now is the time. If that's you today, if God's speaking to you today, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that is me. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. The love of God is in this place. And he loves you so much that he created this message for you today. Anybody else? Pastor, that's me. That's me. Amen. I see your hand. Folks, some of your brothers and sisters stay in attitude of prayer, raise their hands today because this is where God has them and he is speaking to them. And this is a holy moment. If you raised your hand, just slip out, come down, stand up here in front of me. I want to pray for you. If that was you or you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to, 
Just come on out. It's okay. We're not here to judge you. We're here to stand with you. Amen. Anybody else? Come on out. Now's the time. Pam and Jimmy, I want you guys to come down here. I'm going to pray for you. Come on, guys. Anybody else? This is not for me today. This is for you. Amen. Amen. All right. Where you're sitting right now, and I want you to stay in an attitude of prayer, and I just want you to hold your hand out toward these people in an act of faith that you're standing with them right now. I want you to pray for each of them where you're sitting. We're going to pray.
let's all stand this morning. Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. As a, as a family of faith, even if you're here from out of town, uh, you're part, today you're part of our family. You are uh, today, we're going to let you be a hillbilly for today, okay? So you just enjoy that. We're glad you're here, but let me just tell you something. God loves you, okay? He loves you. And he has an amazing plan for your life. And I want you to know that Jesus didn't die for you to be ordinary. Jesus didn't die for that. He gave his life so that you could be all that God has created you to be. And if you're living anything under that, then you're not fulfilling God's plan for your life. And so my hope for you this Christmas is that you become the person that God's called you to be. That you choose to take those steps and move towards him and allow God to be, truly allow him to be the Lord of your life. Amen. Father, I just pray for these amazing people. And Lord, I thank you for these moments that we've been able to have together. And Lord, I just pray today that in some special way, your word has gone into their hearts. And that Father, as we leave this place today, that the hope of Christmas would leave with us and that Jesus everywhere in these next few weeks that we have together when when our friends and neighbors and complete strangers are completely open to the gospel that Jesus we would shine your light to them and that we would share the true hope of Christmas and that Father we would use words when necessary Lord help us to shine your light for people to see and let hope rise up in them. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys as you go today. Have a great week, and we'll see you back on Wednesday night. A king like this, majesty like